Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Kent Morgan, Director of Sports Performance for the University of West Florida, hosted by Justin Schwinn. Uh, my name is Justin Schwing. I'm the uh, Human Performance Advisor at 58 Sal uh, with uh, Air Force. And uh, today I got Kit Morgan, uh, the Head Strength and Conditioning Coach at the University of West Florida. Um, it's kind of the gym in the Emerald Coast. Um, I'll let him uh, rap about him in about two and a half minutes. Kent, you're up. All right. I sure appreciate the opportunity to be here and, and speak and uh Again, like you said, my name is Kent Morgan. I'm the director of strength and conditioning at University of West Florida. It's a Division II school in Pensacola, Florida. Um, started out my career as a uh, went to small high school in Cameron, Texas, and one of the top ten most winning programs, football programs in the state of Texas. So, had a great opportunity to be raised around um, some great athletics. Was, had the opportunity to, to be a collegiate athlete and finish up my career at Sam Houston State University, where I. Uh, Worked with uh, Benny Wiley, who's currently the strength coach at Oklahoma, and then Ben Pollard, my was my mentor, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, and then from there, uh, Coach Pollard hired me at TCU when I graduated from Sam Houston, and was fortunate to get a, get a great job out of college. Uh, I GA'd for one semester, earning the Rusty Wit at Sam Houston, and then that, uh, had a great experience at TCU. Worked with some great athletes there and great coaches, and it's great culture and. Um, also got an opportunity to work on Ethani Summer, who's still the head strength coach there. Uh, great strength coach as well. And um, there went on to, to work at TC or Texas A&M. I uh, was with the football program there uh, as long as it also was worked with women's golf. And so there got to work with Coach Pollard again. And and then uh, another one of my mentors, Rod Cole, uh, one of the legends in the field as well for, for over a year. So I uh, was around some really great strength coaches at a young age and, and, uh, with A&M until 2004, and then from there, or 2008, I'm sorry, and then there got a, got this opportunity at UWF and was the first strength, first strength conditioning coach we've ever had. So had an opportunity to kind of build this program and uh, been here ever since. So it's a great, great place. I, I think – thanks for being here today, Coach. Um, really, uh, the beauty of having you on today, and you, you really, really don't realize it, but you're a program starter. Like, you created – something from nothing. And if you look at the facilities you have at West Florida now, a lot of people can say it can rival any Division One university. Um, and saying that and understanding that, you literally were a part-time guy. You came from Texas A&M. I know they, they, you start you off as a part-time guy, and you kind of worked your way up and establishing the coach with the athletes and the buy-in and, and with the coaches and, and, and facilities. And so that – in saying that, like for any coach to really experience that, it's hard as hell. Because I've done it, um, but it's very rewarding and fruitful at the end. Um, I guess first question I want to ask you is if you can kind of go into detail on your culture from day one at West Florida to present day. What's changed? What have you had to do? What are the trials and tribulations you've had to face? Um, what 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 have you made mistakes in? What have you learned? What would you not do again? Do again? What would you do again? Um, I think this is important for any coach, um, from 
high school all the way up to the professional level who knows they have a heavy cultural shift they have to go into. Um, so I, I really want to hear you and kind of dive into your brain today as you kind of speak. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, uh, well, you know, starting the program UWF, like you said, I was uh, hired on as OPS, which is not quite full-time, work full-time, but no benefits. And so uh, I was fortunate that really we, we, we arrived at UWF because my wife got an opportunity to work in the student counseling center. And so she had a full-time job. And then at the time, uh, the University of West Florida was thinking about trying to bring in a, a creative strength conditioning position. Um, so kind of it was great timing on, on my part. Uh, our women's golf coach saying they need to go the golf coach here and uh, let her know that, that we were moving to town. And so they reached out to me and 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 uh, first day we moved here, I interviewed for a position and and uh, they brought me on board. Before I was there, they were just doing uh, the contracts. Each each sport team would bring in a, somebody they wanted to work with the teams and pay them out of their own budget. So, um, so the culture that I got into, um, I had an opportunity to just kind of create what I felt was right based off the, the core values that, that we developed throughout my career. So, um, you know, at that point in time, whenever somebody like me comes in, just just getting to understand that uh, that that I'm there to help them, and I'm there to serve them, and and that uh, you know that that I can take the strength mission aspect uh, of their job off their hands so they can spend more time recruiting and spend more time uh, working with their athletes. So uh, that was a pretty easy sell. Uh, those coaches were saying, hey, here you go. You can have my team. So started out with four or five teams. And, uh, you know, I think it was a big change in terms of just mentality because, you know, I would see athletes wearing other university shirts. And, and uh, so just – Getting them to understand the beginning culture of hey, you know, we don't wear any other shirts. You'd have your shirts here, and uh, you know, no Florida State, no Miami, whatever it is. So that was you know establishing that and getting them to understand that that hey, this is a big part of of of, of, the, of their sport program is how to develop physically. So and to get them to understand that I'm actually an extension of the of the sport coaches staff. So you know, baseball for example. I mean, I was they, they gave me total control of the baseball program in, in terms of strength and conditioning and. And they looked at me as part of their staff, and so uh, that helped me to to have credibility within the weight room and, and you know buy in as well. So, and that just was went across the board different sports, and so you know eventually was went from having four or five teams to, to working with almost every sport, and and then getting getting a GA position. Uh, Nick Presley was my first intern I had, and, and Ryan Davis, who is now head strength coach at University of Maryland football, and had two great people with me, and that that, uh, that helped me to to move the program along. So, and I also had great support from administration. I mean, we can't we can't do any of that stuff that we've done without without support from administration and coaches. So, yeah, I think that we show value and that we we they saw success and and we do a lot of winning at UWF. And so, you know, the winning continued on as I, as our program began. And and so there was more and more buy in as we went along and and great people around me having great coaches on my staff and, and again support from the administration because you can't do that stuff. You can't. I mean, anytime I need anything at all. You know, I knew what, what big things I needed to get. Might be a set of dumbbells, might be two more racks. But each year, I'd ask for something, and and, and RAD would be, uh, you know, because of the the because of the positivity that was coming from our program, he would he would allow me to get those things and make our program better. So it just grew and grew, and then uh, you know, I had two GA spots, and then uh, I think it was 2015 or 2014 that we announced we're going to add football program. So which was great. It was awesome. It was going to bring a lot to university. And so we were fired up about that. And, and then uh, our AD at that point in time uh, gave me two more GA spots. And so now, so 
so I had a lot of help, a lot of support from uh, from administration to do what we did. So uh, without that, you know, it would have been more difficult. But And I had an opportunity, like you said, to uh, – when we added the football program, I had an opportunity to, to update the weight room that we had uh, at the time, and which is still in use. Uh, so we had that around for the first year, half, no, two years of football, maybe a longer three years, and it worked great. Um, and then we built a new facility uh, – we built a new turf field. At the end of the field, we built a new facility that included a new weight room. We had an opportunity to design that, and uh, really fortunate here to, to to have what we have. And and uh, when adding that weight room was a lot of fun and a lot of work. And we just want to make sure that we uh, that our athletes had every opportunity to be successful. So some of the things that we added in there were great. But um, so now we have two weight rooms. I have four GAs. I have a full time assistant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, none of that would have been possible without without our support from administration and from coaches and, and creating value in our program. I think, you know, that's the most important thing is that we create a great culture of, of winning. Uh, but more importantly than that, it's just we want to build champions and want to make sure that our athletes are being held accountable, doing what they're supposed to do, but having fun and, and getting after it and, and create an environment, again, that's conducive to them getting better. So, um, that's as coaches improve as well. So, that's kind of how it got going. And that's what, uh, uh, you know, some of the core values that we, we built it upon. And, and again, it's just like a perfect storm of, of a lot of great people coming together at the same time to build something awesome and, uh, and, and a winning culture here. Because that's, you know, EWF, like I said, we do a lot of win. We, we win a lot of championships, and that's the expectation of winning. Uh, but, you know, on top of that is, is to build great people. So, and that's, and that's truly what it's built upon. So, uh, one key element you said in the – Cultural pieces, taking ownership and being at UWF, being an Argonaut, like, like you own that. If you own that, you have the capability of buying into the program. Are there any other specifics you really see, you saw that you really were able to establish or key essentials um, within a culture um, or within your culture that you did characteristically that were successful and there's others don't, don't try that were unsuccessful? Because, I mean, every year you – you look at your program as coach, you know, from a from a year and say, all right, what can we do maybe to change it a little bit or here or there? You're never going to say I do the A to B every year because if you do, kids change. The athletes change every year. So if you try to do the same thing, regardless of that's what you do historically, uh, there has to be small uh, manips here and there for that progression or that, 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 that's, that incline up. So what have you – what other things do you say in this whole process which you talked about do you think are were essential in establishing that culture and building that culture at UWF? I think one important thing is is, to, is our is perception of what we do. I think that, you know, um, with this, for example, coaches staff that I worked with, I got here, had never been around collegiate strength and conditioning coaches. Um, you know, just the perception of that we're going to squat and bench and clean and, and uh, and things like that. Well, you know, I think for, for for us and for me as a coach, I've always been one who has searched for better ways of doing things. You know, I've built a core philosophy, being around the mentors that I had, and that doesn't necessarily change. But but the methodology is how we do things, and so I think getting them to see that we're very we very good at what we do, um, that we're very passionate about what we do as coaches. Um, that you know, we spend all day. Uh, trying to get better and trying to find ways to make our athletes better. So we're passionate about what we do. And so I think they see that. And so, um, and so that, that translates into how we train in the weight room, how we train on the field 
and how we educate our athletes. And so, you know, I think that the buy-in, the culture of that, when they come in the weight room, they know that they're not going to be doing the same workout that the football is doing or volleyball is going to be training specifically for them not doing what softball is doing. And so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of differences there and how they train a lot of similarities as well. But I think when athletes see that, uh, they really feel like they can buy into it uh, uh, because they're more or, less, more or less speaking the language of their sport and be able to train them accordingly. So that creates a lot of buy-in and, and a lot of makes it an environment in the weight room where athletes look forward to coming into because they know they're going to be training the correct way and, and uh, for the most part and, and without much resilience because we try to create an atmosphere that's fun and, 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 and so the athletes can come in and ready, ready to go. So that's the big part, I think, is just, you know, staying innovative, staying fresh, keeping things fresh, but, you know, not, not venturing too far away from your core core values and your philosophy. Obviously, you want to stick with that, but also knowing that, hey, there's going to be better methods of doing things because as, as a coach, you continue to try to get better and find better ways of doing things and you, and, and you recruit people around you who are smarter than you um, and you work together then that just fuels the fire of a great environment um, when you're around great people. So that's a big part of it. So in that understanding, um, what I've always seen struggle over the years, for, for me as a coach, um, even in the tactical setting, you know, with, with our soldiers, um, they, they, they're PCS again coming out, you know, currently work with students. Um, so they're only with me for a certain period of time. But they, they bring in a culture of what they've known before. And it, it might mesh or might not mesh with what your belief system is. Um, and you've been at the D2 level, which is a great example. You guys get a lot of transfers. Not a lot, but you do get transfers. And so you're going to have people that come from program A, B, or C. Um, and it might be uh, philosophically completely different. Um, it might be uh, um, right or wrong, just different. So in that understanding, what do you go how do you go about creating that buy-in for them um, and instilling that buy-in uh with uh the uwf philosophy well i think you know for me i i wouldn't want to change too much of what they've done in the past now i mean obviously i think situations differently we got different situations i think we're talking about here but i think if, if we're talking about an athlete coming into our program or not one of our programs um you know, I think we have a strong enough culture here, how we've done things and how we do things that, you know, they're, they're, they create a lot of uh, resistance to how we do it, uh, then they're not going to last real long, typically. Um, but as a coach, we got to find a ways to reach that athlete and reach them and help them to understand the whys of what we're doing. So, you know, as a coach, I think one of the most important things that we can do as a transition staff and coach is to make sure that uh, we understand why we're doing things. And so, Everything that's on a program needs to have a has a reason and how it's going to make that athlete better uh, physically or mentally. So, I would you know for us it's a matter of educating the athlete, uh, and then you know I think when they come into our program and they see the the buy-in that's already there, um, then that helps. And then for us to individually reach out to that athlete and and tell them hey this is why we're doing this and this is the importance of it. You know it's not necessarily just the exercises but the, the culture. I think that's, uh, you know, create a little more buy-in. But for me, I don't want to change too much at one time. If it was, if it was an individual person, um, you know, I, I always say that, you know, for athletes, they didn't come here to become a, a, a lifter uh, or, or a runner. I mean, they came here to become better at their sport. So what we do with our athletes as a staff 
has to make them better at what they do uh, and be related to how they perform on the, on the field or on the court uh, or on track. So I think that's important that we understand the whys and also meet them kind of in the middle somewhere and help them understand, hey, you know, this is, this is how we do it. It's why we do it. Uh, but you're going you know, to, again, not going to last real long typically if they don't, if they don't create that same type of passion. So that's that. And I think, you know, from individuals, you know, if it was an individual standpoint um, in your situation, I would think for me, I would, uh, I would approach it as um, not trying to change too much up at one time. So you walk in and they come in and they're, they're doing their own program and you're like, wow, I mean, there's some things that they could really do to help improve that or make it more efficient. Um, you know, I would, I would start out with one thing at a time. You know, I would try to create some type of magical experience with them that, you know, if it's just creating a density set where, okay, you're doing a push and a pull and, and you get a more of a metabolic response from that when maybe they've never done that before and they do it and all of a sudden, wow, wow, that's pretty awesome. Um, and so I would start with one thing at a time and then try to create more buy-in and get do something that's a lot of bang for your buck and get them to be, oh, wow, that, that is great. That is better than I was doing or, um, but I think, you know, not trying to jump in and do too much at one time, but to just to make a tweak here or there to, to make that program better for that individual. And then, you know, that that will slowly create more buy-in and, and more trust, uh, what, what we're going to do with that person. So I, I would base it off my past experiences and, and uh, how we, you know, like I said, we train our athletes differently for each sport. And I've had an opportunity to, to do my career to have chances to, to be around some real smart people and, and have opportunities to learn. From different people and and not just get stuck with one one methodology so uh i would i would i would take from all those experiences and, and figure out which one's gonna be the best to to get that athlete or that person to just to understand why he's doing it or she's doing it so that answer yeah yeah of course um so with that being said and you kind of expounded upon it but i want to kind of hit individual experiences, which this has happened to any straight coach that's seasoned in the field. Uh, if it's via coach or athlete comes to you and tells you you're wrong and they won this way because of this, or they've been successful this way because of this, uh, how do you go about mending that relationship or building what you believe is right? I mean, we understand that, you know, what you do is ground-based and, and uh, it, it's, compound movements and, and jumping, sprinting um, are, are key elements into all of these things. Like what if someone contradicts that to you in any which way, which is again, if you season in this field, it's happening yeah. from high school level oh, yeah. all the way up. How do you approach it? Um, and if you approach it differently from the coach to the athlete uh, and what has worked and what hasn't worked for you with that? Well, I think, uh, yeah, definitely have come across that and, uh, you know, get frustrated sometimes. But, you know, to me, it's like perspective, um, you know, staying humble and, and realizing, hey, there's a lot of ways of doing things. That's one thing I've realized, too, is that, you know, I think I feel like we have a great program here, but you can go across the country. And there's a lot of great programs to do things a little differently. So uh, I just think as long as you believe in what you're doing, that's the most important part and understand why you're doing it, like I said. But from uh, from getting resistance from an athlete, I think that. You know, for me, it's uh, they've got to they've got to you know again understand why is what they're doing. But like I go back to it's, for me, it's about perspective. So it's just, it may be one or two things in your program they don't like. Um, you know, for me, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm just going to you know, hey, that coach didn't want to do that. Um, then we're not going to do it. We'll find a better. We'll find a different way of doing. It. That's one thing about working 
with athletes through years and then and, and coming across of injuries and different uh, different type of uh, situations where you have to modify. Um, maybe a guy who can't load a barbell on his back. So you got some, or you got an athlete for four years, so you can't ever put a, any type of load on his or her back. Then you got to find a way to get them stronger and get them better. So, you know, taking something away from your program, there's, there's always going to be something you can put back in. I believe that, that, that will cover that, uh, what you're trying to get accomplished with, uh, for, let me, let me start over on that. I mean, I think for me, it's, it's about if you, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna focus on, on uh, what that what we can't do. But I'm gonna focus on what we can do. So if that's if that's one or two exercises we can't do, but I can still do a hundred other ones. Again, I'm not. I'm not gonna sweat not doing those things. I mean, there's, there's some coaches who don't want to don't want don't want your Olympic lift their teams, and so you know, and, and that's fine because there's a lot of ways to create power or triple extension, and so uh, we'll find a way of doing that. So for me, I'm not gonna sweat it. Um, I, I was just. Uh, it's not a big deal, really, because uh, I know I can get things accomplished without you, you take something away from me. I can still throw something in that that, uh, so that coach or athlete is probably going to be able to do and not have a problem with. So, no, it's, it sounds great. You know what? I, what I've always, at least in this last few years, what I've really recognized is <laughs> what not to do is don't tell me, don't tell them that they're wrong. Yeah, when you. Well, I, I, when you try to get the buy-in, and they say that you're wrong, don't come back and say no, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's important as transition coaches and performance coaches. We always realize, hey, that you know, I, I tell my staff this all the time, but we work for those coaches. Uh, we're 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 uh, we're here for service. Um, you know, we got to be humble. Uh, we're not the head coach. I'm not the head football coach. And if the head football coach wants me to do something, I'm going to do it. I want to make sure I'm extending. I'm, I'm extending his staff. I'm going to whatever his culture is. And I'm going to make sure that we're promoting that in the weight room. So, you know, so I'm not, you know, again, we we're here to, to we work for the coaches. Um, but again, you know, so we just got to stay humble and, and find, you know, it makes you be creative. You got to find ways to do things differently sometimes. And, and as a coach, that's awesome. I think, because that's how you get better. So, um, you know, if you can't Olympic lift, what are you going to do? If you can't use med balls, what are you going to do? If you can't have a barbell, then what are you going to do? So, it's all these things that you can that you can work around. So yeah, definitely don't want to say it. Coach is wrong. Um, you know, I, I, again, we're we're in a situation where we work for the coaches, and so you know that's that's important to keep in mind when you come across that situation. Uh, so uh, you, you you made a statement in in this earlier on that you have to be innovative, that you have to find progressions in what you're doing within the culture within. The strength and conditioning culture, you gotta kind of push the envelope sometimes. And and I know recently you're probably what two years old, new waiver. Your new waiver is two years yep. old. Coming up on two years, yep. So it's two years old, uh, new waiver. Uh, you did not have all the things that you have now. Uh, we opened up that waiver. So when we talk about being innovative, there's new things. There's things that are outside of the comfort zone. But you as a coach, you know they're going to make them better. How do you go about? encouraging innovative ideas for your athletes to try to buy in if it's dbt stuff if it's bar variations if it's some sort of kaiser component or, or awesome rotary stuff that you guys got uh any of those things like these are these are things you've always wanted to do but you didn't have the capability to do it, but now you can so you feel like you take the program to another level how do you create that or encourage an innovative 
approach that one, and then two, how do you push innovation back and then push them to become innovative, innovative within their own many cultures or their own program? Yeah, good questions. Uh, you know, for me, and as a coach, and I think as an athlete, I mean, for us, I think it's important we try to keep things really fresh. Um, again, I. So, you know, I'm a big Disney World fan, and, and so I kind of look at the perspective of at Disney World, you have the hub, which is the castle area, and then you have the areas that branch off from that, but you always, the hub is what supports everything. So, what I see is, like, my core philosophy, what I've developed through the years, how we do things, is that hub, but then all these different new technologies and different ways of doing things, to keep things fresh, you have to go out and you have to try different things, and so, um, you know, Never, never go too far away what you chose to believe, and it's not like you're going too far away from it. But it's just you're you're changing how you do it. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, we have things now. That I have I have opportunities to do things that I didn't have opportunities to do before. Um, you know, for me, it was a situation where okay, well, how do I use these things? Um, you know, to a you got to start getting experience using it and seeing how it does. But I think the for me, um, it, the innovation comes when you're trying to find a way to get athletes to to work harder and to, and, to, and to be more successful at what they're doing. So um, keeping things fresh is important. So, you know, we have a real fortunate here to have opportunity to have 16 gym wear units so we can track barbell speed on a lot of different bars at one time. Um, you know, for, for me, that situation where it's probably one of the biggest things that, that one of the biggest improvements that I've found uh, through my career, uh, there's been a lot of things that come out, you know, Billy balls, kettlebells, they're all great things. But uh, this technology allows uh, our athletes to either see the fire behind them when, when they're training uh, because they feel like that we're cutting edge, um, which makes it a better environment because they feel like they're going to, oh, man, we're going to come in today and we're doing things that the other schools aren't doing, um, especially in our, in our leagues. And so uh, it, creates that, it creates that atmosphere. Um, and then it also creates a situation where, man, they, they compete every rep. And so, whereas before, without this ability to track barbell speed, you're going to have some athletes who sometimes come in tired or just don't, don't feel it that day. And, you know, they're just not going to put as much effort in between each rep as you're expecting them to. So, uh, but when they're having instant feedback and they've got teammates that are watching them do it and seeing what they're doing, creating that was is probably one of the biggest uh, improvements of our program, I believe, uh, in, in terms of just – innovative ideas and that helps them to again I mean get better results and you start adding that up you know if you, if you go through a 10-week off season and you went hard every rep for 10 weeks uh, these big lifts and all of a sudden now you're that much better at the end of 10 weeks and so I think that that drives a lot of fun and, and it's so it's a lot of fun I mean you compete yeah, you see guys and girls that are, are interested in what everybody else is doing and so uh, having that ability to do that is awesome um, you know we have band systems that that allow us to train differently and and um, resistance and so it's uh i feel like the biggest thing it does probably is all these things is it keeps it fresh and then it also um i think that from matthew's perspective they they realize hey they're getting they're getting some of the best training they can get uh you know versus just your typical squatting year round and bitching year round but we can do variations that, that keep it interesting keep it fresh and so uh, I think that's a big part of what we try to do here is, is, is that, you know, with the coaches, my coaching staff, you know, like I said, I had four graduate assistant positions. And so there's a typically younger guys and girls who are very passionate. Uh, you know, we're all passionate, but they're, they're not married. They, they're young and they're out of college and they have aspirations and, 
and they they had the big drive to get better and and to and to learn new technologies and learn things and so so much to learn as a young coach and so it keeps the environment here very fresh from my from my perspective because I'm always around young people and with who are always challenging ideas and challenging ways and trying to find ways to get better and, and they can do that collectively as a staff. Uh, it's just a great it's a great environment to be in. Um, my full time assistant he's he's amazing. He's uh, he's on top of stuff as well. So we have a young staff. It's just always passionate. I think that's what helps keep it innovative ideas for me. Is um, you know I, I, again I, I know I know what works. And without technology, you can actually absolutely get people better, and I have no problem doing that. Uh, but I think with the technology involved, it just keeps things fresh, it keeps things fun, um, and being around uh, young coaches that do say feel the same way, it's just it's an awesome place. It's, it, it, that's what kind of fuels me every day of, of coming up and knowing that, that hey, I mean, like you said, I, I don't do the same thing I do every year. I look back at the last year's program, and and we model it off of that, and we try to, but you know, we got different athletes, we got different. You know, different uh, culture. We have not necessarily different culture, but different type of athletes. We got guys coming in that that have no idea how we did things the year before. So each year, each year, I mean, we, we pretty much start over and and uh, build it off the of last year's program. And and but but again, we try to we try to find ways to keep it fresh. And you know, athletes will get better. If they work hard. They're going to get better as long as they're doing things right, and doing things well, and with great technique. And, and we're passionate as coaches to make sure they're doing stuff right. Then you know, hey, I mean, they're as long as they're going to come up and and. and the the experience they have here is, is something that I think that will will stick with them for the rest of their life. Hopefully, and that's our goal. My goal is with our athletes. So, innovation is awesome. I think it's great, and I think you know you can't be hard hit as a coach and and think, man, I, well, you know, we need to back squat all year long. What's not their own back squatting all year long? But there might be certain athletes, but if we can if we can find a different way to get their legs strong as strong and, and stronger and, and keep it fresh. And I'm going to do that, you know? So, uh, but I'm never going, I'm never going to go away from my beliefs and how we do that and what I feel like works, but, but man, there's all types of methodologies out there, um, that, that you can use, uh, if you have the capabilities of doing that. So, and, you know, as a, in my situation with such a large staff, shoot, I mean, it allows me to do a lot of different stuff and, you know, each one of those have their own teams and, and they put a lot of passion into those programs of design. And, and so it's, a it's a great situation, um, but but technology and innovative ideas. I mean, they they flow through every day, uh, and that's what's great about this. Thanks, coach. So, uh, two uh, got two more curveballs I want to throw at you, and then kind of want to open the floor to you a little bit. Um, but first things first, uh, big one. You know, I've been trying to tell you about the tactical side of things for many years. Uh, and you keep denying because you say you love West Florida too much. I get it. Um, but in that understanding, if you were going to take that step, say, tomorrow, um, with your outside view in, <clears throat> what would you do? What do you know or are you confident with that you know you bring over to work with the social population um, that you would see be very beneficial for, like, again, you haven't been there, so you don't understand, but you do understand because you're a strength coach, you see the needs, you know what they do, realistically, somewhat perspective. What are some essential things you, you would definitely bring over for the soldier? Well, to me, um, you know, I met a guy named Mark Verstegen a long time ago, back in 1999, before we were performance in Exos and, and being around Rafael Ruiz at a young age, guys who taught me that, you know, it's, it's about movements, how, you know, training movements is the most important part. And so I feel like 
you know, I've had the opportunity to, to run some fitness boot camps with, with uh, an older population that, that, you know, really what I learned is it's the same movement that we train with our athletes. And so, you know, I think the human body moves the same, whether you're a strength coach or a football player or volleyball player or a tactical athlete, but the body moves the same way. So if we know as coaches how to, how to get people to move better and, and understand limitations and, and, uh, we can we can improve their movement skills and that's the most important part so i think that you know and with athletes i mean we're constantly dealing with i mean coming back from rehab coming back from injuries um return to play protocols um different types of injuries that we have to work around we have to still continue to train the athletes as they come back or again you know we may have somebody who can't ever load a barbell on their back or but i think the experiences i have with just the adaptations of training and, and how to adapt on the fly, how to get people to better um, when they can't do what you have everybody else doing. I think that's an important skill to have. Uh, I would see um, understanding demands uh, energy system wise. And really, I think that for me, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a drastic change of training methodologies. Um, I think it would be real similar how we set things up with our athletes. And uh, you know, I think, just got to be able to adapt and 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 uh, and get them to buy into what you're doing. But uh, to me, it's it's you know movement is movement, and you know we need to be able to get people to move better and and understand why they can't move well. If they're not moving well, then how, how can we make it that way? So uh, you know it's not always about just putting weights on people's backs. It's more so about um, how we can get people to move better and 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 be more efficient. So I think my my experiences with that would. Um, what I would say would be one of the values that I could bring or somebody like me would bring to the, to the tackle side. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, some great people to work with. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of what, what I would do and how I would train. You know, it's funny you say that, like, that's the biggest shock in all particular. That's what I believe. It's about efficiency of movement, man. It is. It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's great you have a ball on your back. It's great that you can throw something. It's great that you can. Well, I think I think our profession has changed so much. I mean, it's like you know, you go back, and I, I'm not old, but I, mean, I started. You know, I was started young in 1998, so it's 20, 21 years now for me. Uh, and that's you know, just the perception I think people have of what strength is, strength training is, and and you know, I think and maybe it's, maybe it's just me and maybe I just don't see the whole picture, but I really feel like a lot of times people don't, you know, even to this day, I mean, I don't know what percent of people across the country really truly understand what strength conditioning coaches do. I mean, if you ask probably majority of people are going to say, Oh, well, they're probably going to squat. They're going to go bench. Uh, they're going to power lift, um, my Olympic lift, but you know, it's such a more holistic training. It's like now we got, you got to know a lot about physical therapy. You got to know a lot about, overhead athletes. I mean, you got to know a lot about rotational training. You just, yeah, there's so many things that speed work, speed development, acceleration training, top end speed, you know, shin angles on change of direction. And so you got to get good at so many things. And then, then you got to be a good communicator and then you got to understand budgets and you got to understand how to hire people. And so there's so much involved with what we do. And I just think that, you know, changes people's changing people's perspective of how, what we actually know and how we can get them better and how much is not just about a barbell, but, you know, I think just getting people to change their perspectives of, of, of what we do as a profession is important. I think, you know, that's kind of where our profession is going. I'm getting off subject here a little bit, I think, but I think that's, uh, 
starting out early on, I mean, I think that's, you know, I've seen a huge change of people like Mark Verstegen and Michael Boyle, I mean, just, and Eric Cressy, just to name a few of the people who have, who have, who I believe of people who've been great to, to see our profession grow and, 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 and the respect that we've gained, uh, as a, as a profession, uh, I think it's been a big change in just the last 20 years. And I think now, you know, with technology of athlete tracking and catapults and all these other things that, you know, that again, that we have to be able to be good at, uh, just a lot of value what we do. And I, just want, you know, I think people need to understand that. No, I, I totally agree. And again, like I said, I remember the first day, not first day, but really the first part of my, when I started in the tactical sector, we got out there and we started working on lateral movement. Um, and really it was just the same as EXO's modeling. I think they're beautiful on teaching movement, but uh, it's really a march, a march skip and then run component within their lateral progressions or even a step in there. Um, and soldiers are all falling over themselves, literally falling over because in their PT test, you know, if you're in the operator all the way down to a freaking military intelligence, you sit in front of a computer all day and fly a little airplane around or whatever you're doing. Um, they don't know how to move laterally because they only have to run two miles. It's changing a little bit, but they have to run two miles. They have to uh, uh, push-ups two minutes, sit-ups two minutes. So their capability of doing anything of really type of functional movement components, they suck at it. Two, uh, their mobility is horrible. Well, philosophically in me is if you're changing direction, you have to get into great angles. If you're throwing a medicine ball, you have to get into great in-ranges of motion uh, or any type of rotary piece. You have to get great in-range of motion. You're able to manipulate a lot of those mobility stability issues just through those patterns. And um, I, I just, I, I believe, yeah. like, learn how to do it. And then I would like to make it fun on top of it. Um, and over time, I saw that progression. Um, some of them that played high school athletics, they'd be like, I remember I used to be able to do all this. I couldn't do it anymore, but I'm starting to do it again. And I feel better. Yeah. I hurt less. And it's like, because it's about movement. It's not just about strict patterns. You know, you can't be married into a, a, a silo. you got to open up to perspective. You know, like you said, at the end of the day, like, lifting weights is rudimentary in so many ways. Like, yes, you want to put stress on the body. But, you know, in that, and yes, you want to have a periodized approach to it, yes. But in that understanding, outside of that, there's not a lot of, end all be all to making a better athlete. The better athlete comes from more efficient patterns and being technically sound. Like that's it. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, we talked about this as a staff and I really believe that, that, you know, probably less is more almost in the fact that, you know, how can we put the least amount of stress on people's bodies and make them better? Um, you know, for, for us getting ready for competition, it's like, we want to make sure we have fresh athletes that are, that are, that are, that are peaking out right in the correct times. And so, you know, again, we're athletes came here to become better at their sport. You know, and and I would imagine that tactical people just want to want to feel better and move better. You know, at the at the end of the day, that's what they want. Um, you know, so how can we do that? You know, and and, and with the least amount of stress as possible, the to make to make them better and to feel better. So again, that just comes. I think having different different methodologies you can use and different backgrounds, but. I agree. So, uh, last question I want to ask you, Coach. Uh, this deals with right now. 
on the current situation. And I think this is important. I asked this, and I didn't have it on the sheet, so I'm going to throw you a curveball there. I told you I was throwing you one. <laughs> That's all right. I, I think that everybody's asking this question and trying to figure this out. So what are your thoughts on returning to train as this COVID-19 begins to dissipate? Like, how do you see what, I don't know if you have a plan yet. Um, what is it? Is there a rollout component to it? Um, is there a phase piece to it? Kind of how do you see this with, with your, with your uh, staff and uh, athletes and coaching staff? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I was talking to another coach about that yesterday, and then just you know, he brought the fact that, hey, what if the social distancing is still in play? And when our athletes come back, we're going to have to work out six feet apart, you know? And I was like, that, that really never crossed my mind. I hope not. Um, it'd be real, pretty difficult. But, um, yeah, I, I really don't know. It's going to, you know, I think nobody really knows this point in time. Um, you know, at this point in time, what we're doing, what I'm doing is – and what my staff has done is our athletes have workouts that we sent to them and, you know, just to give them a, an idea of what they could be doing. Um, we, we want our athletes when they come back to be in a situation where, you know, they're going to be ready to go. Uh, but at the same time they come back, we have guidelines we've got as a strength and conditioning professional. We've got to have to make sure we follow uh, with work to rest ratios and, and running volumes and things that we got to make sure that we're staying on track with. So, just for the health of the student athletes, um, you know, because at the end of the day, that's the most important part is making sure they stay safe and healthy. Uh, so what that looks like, you know, I don't know. Um, we have different – right now we're planning for maybe two two or three different scenarios. Uh, maybe one coming back in July, and I don't throw dates out there because we don't know, but, you know, we we got to have some type of this. So, you know, what if we have five weeks to get prepare our athletes or our all sport athletes for the practice? Um, what are we going to do with the five weeks? You know, we know that – three of those weeks going to have to be an uh, adaptation period. So, you know, um, that's kind of what we're doing is just taking a look at different scenarios and, you know, come back in August, you know, what, what if they don't come back till school starts, you know? So until that point comes, we just uh, try to encourage our athletes to, to be active and to try to follow what we give them if they can. If not, then, uh, you know, be creative. And uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, unprecedented territory and everybody's in the same situation for the most part. So, uh, you know, hopefully the motivation of the athletes to, to continue to, to train and be ready to go when they come back is going to be enough to, to keep them going while we're there or until we get back. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, like I said. So, you know, but there's no way of knowing. Uh, all we do is plan the best that we can and make sure we have different plans on whatever scenario it may be. Uh, but I feel like, you know, I feel confident that we'll be able to get our athletes – back to ready to go and I know they'll be motivated to do so. So, uh, but you know, that's, that's where we're at right now. Thanks coach. The last thing I want to ask or not ask, give to you, um, you know, on this talk today, I always like to give the person that's talking or, or we're interviewing um, or having them on, however you want to say it, give you the opportunity to answer any questions you felt like were not answered. Um, that you feel are essential to uh, the audience. Um, I, I think that it's, it's important that you have that. that you Obviously, you, you have certain passions if, with you as a coach or certain things that you, you felt that really helped you as a coach. Um, is there anything kind of want to leave this time for you to kind of share that? Well, like I said earlier in the program, I, you know, I've been around some great coaches, um, learned from some of the best, uh, not only – not only from X's and O's perspective, but also from a how to deal with athletes. Um, 
you know, just great people. And so one of the biggest things that I've learned is, and that one of my, probably the biggest things I try to get across to my staff is, is that, you know, st- is to stay humble and to, um, you know, to stay humble, you'll, you'll want to improve every day. You'll want to get better. You'll, you'll understand that you don't know it all. Uh, no matter how long you do this, you're always learning stuff. So, and be around, get around great people. Um, you know, that's the important part, but stay humble and, and, uh, do what we can to promote this profession. I think is, 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 is very important. So, um, you know, from my perspective, I've had, you know, different phases of my career. I kind of go back and I look and, you know, for me, like phase zero is being a college athlete and loving to work out and train and just trying to get this, fast and strong as possible. The phase B was being a graduate assistant to being a young full-time coach and just, just soaking in as much information as I can and still continue to train hard, run with the athletes, stay in shape. Uh, you know, the next phase for me was uh, a little longer, further ahead was, you know, still trying to get better and always trying to get better, but trying to still train hard. And, you know, then for me, uh, I have a unique perspective on life because I had a, uh, I had a, um, I had a virus attack my heart, and so I went from being able to do all these things to now uh, I can't train heavy, I can't train hard anymore. So I had opportunity, but it gave me a perspective of okay, what's important, and, and what's important as a coach, and what's important as a husband and, and man. And I think that you know that's where uh, you know I, through that time that I understood that I need to get better. So it gave me a chance to kind of sit back and reflect, and then look back and and. Uh, you know, get better in areas that I, want, that I need to improve on. So, and find a niche. You know, I think that when you're a young coach, getting started in this profession, is you got to get become a really great, a really good general strength coach. A lot of different things because there's so many things that we need to know as strength coaches, from speed to training to developing speed and power in the weight room. And so, but then you know, you come to a certain point in your career where you know you may become a head coach or you may be close to it. Or, um, but. You got to find a niche, you know, for me, I think, you know, I went to Eric Cressy's baseball performance training, both of his, uh, both of his things on that. Uh, spent a lot of time, got TPI certified, Tyler's Performance Institute, which I learned a lot about the golf swing and a lot about how movement affects that. So, but all those things translate into other sports and how you can train other sports better. So, you know, reaching out and trying to get better and find a niche in areas as you get older and, and I think it's important. And then, you know, and, and then giving back to the, to our profession is, uh, to me, that's the most important thing. I think that the young coaches need to know where where we came from, where Ben Pollard was, and, and coaches who began in the 1990s and 1980s who didn't make much money at all. You know, they didn't make any money. Uh, they did it because they loved it. And uh, and then they paved the way for us now and uh, to all the positions that we have. So all the collegiate strength coaches now, they're big staffs. They're making a lot of money, which is awesome. Um, you know, now there's tactical side, like you said. I mean, there's – high school spring coaches but this our profession has grown a lot uh, but it's grown a lot because people paved the way for it and uh you know those are the people that we need to make sure we stay humble and, and stay the perspective on and know and appreciate you know what what it was like 20 years ago in our profession so uh i think that just you know that's important as as young coaches move forward our profession is, is to look back and appreciate why you how you why you have the opportunities that you have so um you know, that's my perspective on it. Yeah, Coach, uh, I can't tell you enough how uh, thankful I am to be able to sit down and chat with you today. Like, you know, you don't understand how much uh, of influence you had on me as a coach, um, uh, just mo- mainly from a character standpoint. And that's why I value you as a, as a good coach. 
Um, and I think that people overlook that sometimes and forget about that, that importance yeah. of it. So, um, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I can call you a colleague and a friend and, um, and I can share, I can share ideas without, uh, judgment, you know, be honesty and obviously in there, you know, I think that allows me to be obviously innovative with, with my approach and where I am in my career. So thanks again, coach. Um, uh, you bet. Best of luck. Okay. Thanks, Lou. Yeah. Yeah.